You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. This morning we're going to be talking about how Nehemiah again is a picture of how God comes into our lives to restore us and to make us whole. He's really interested in our lives and he sent the Holy Spirit to do that. So last week when we started off, we were sharing how Nehemiah worked for the king. He was a cupbearer, and his role was to advise the king, to protect the king. And one of his brothers comes to him from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a mess. Jerusalem was broken down. And Nehemiah hears the report, and he cries. He weeps over the city. And he asks permission from the king to go and to rebuild, restore the walls of Jerusalem. Now, this story is a picture. We call it a type and shadow of our lives in the New Testament times, in our time today. In that story, the temple that was there in Jerusalem was rebuilt by Ezra. Ezra had already gone and had rebuilt it. See, Jerusalem was a mess because it had been taken captive. And for 70 years, the people lived in Babylon. And now... They were returning. God was restoring Jerusalem. The temple's been rebuilt by Ezra. And that's a picture when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He restores our spirit. Ezekiel talked about that. He prophesied that the Holy Spirit would come and restore us and God would live within us. And that's what happened when we gave our life to Christ. He came and He lives within us. And the temple's finished. It's been restored. The Holy Spirit's finished. It's there. It's wonderful. But our minds have to be renewed. That area of our life has to be restored. That represents the walls of Jerusalem. The soulish area of our life represents the walls that need to be restored. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you. That's a very strong word. That's like, I really encourage you. I'm exhorting you. I'm just really reaching out to you. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. That means don't let the world put you in its jello mold. Did your mom ever make jello and put it in a mold? I used to like that. My mom would put jello in a mold and it'd pop out and go, oh, that's so cool. It was conformed to the mold. And the world would like you to be conformed to their mold. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This takes place after we become a Christian, where our minds are renewed or restored. So the walls of Jerusalem are that. That's that soulish area of our life that gets renewed. In the story, we have a guy by the name of Samballot. Samballot is representative of the evil one, of Satan. Samballot is basically a big bully. He comes along and he torments the people there. He used to rule that area, but when Nehemiah arrives, Nehemiah arrives with letters of authority, and Samballot no longer has a right. He no longer has any jurisdiction over Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit came into our lives, he comes with a letter of authority that says, Satan, you no longer have right to this person. They're no longer in your kingdom. They've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you no longer have authority over this individual. So he comes with these letters of authority, and the Holy Spirit comes to restore, rebuild our lives. So that's a bit of a review from last week. Now, what are the signs that the walls have been broken in our life? There's a lot of different signs we could give you. Unforgiveness would be a sign where we hold on to past hurts, or sometimes we've said the expression, hurt people, hurt people. And that's a sign that something's broken. Somewhere there was brokenness. It could be anger. It could be addiction. It could be somebody who's always grumpy. It could be anxiety, depression. It could be low self-confidence. It could be little self-control. It could be being unkind or rude, racist. It could be hatred, impatience. All these things point to the fact that something has been broken. 
Now, the walls, again, we said this last week, but I have to say it again just to really make it clear, because sometimes we speak of walls in a negative way. We don't want to build walls in our life, so to speak, to keep people out. The walls in this case are positive. They are boundaries. They're perimeters or the fence or the, what keeps us safe. The walls have gates. Let things in, let things out. The Bible says, guard your heart and your mind with all diligence. Out of it flow the issues of life. There's a verse that you have there in your handout, Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. So as much as any team has an offensive strategy, they also have a defensive strategy. And in our battle against the evil one, we also have to have a defensive strategy. We have to have boundaries. We have to have walls that are healthy that we don't let just anything come into our life. Perhaps there was an experience in your life or a time in your life beyond your control, beyond your knowledge, stuff came into your life and there was, as a result, things were broken or hurt entered our life. How many here this morning, let me do a quick survey, how many here have landed at the Vancouver YVR airport on an international flight and you looked down those stairs and you saw a long lineup? Anybody been there, experienced that? A lot of hands going up. I've come in on an international flight and I look down like, oh my goodness, I wish I had a Nexus card because this is going to take me half an hour, an hour to get through there. We've had people fly into Canada, and uh, I'm waiting outside and waiting and waiting there. And finally, they come through. They say, you guys have such a long lineup to clear to get into this country. Have you ever watched the people when they go through? They inspect every single person. Everybody gets inspected before they come into Canada. You know, that's a good thing. What is it? That's a boundary. That's a border. That's a wall. And every person has to show their passport. Every person, where were you? And you know what? If you don't qualify, they say, nope, you don't get to come into the country. They put you on the plane and they send you back. Likewise, we have to inspect every thought that comes into our mind. We have about up to 70,000 thoughts that come at us every day. And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10.5, it's not in your notes, so you may want to write that one down, 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Just as a border inspector will inspect every thought before it comes into this country, God's saying inspect the thoughts that come into your life. Now, if the walls are broken or damage has happened, and you can just see a flood of people coming into the country illegally, it results in destruction within the country. And likewise in our life, if we didn't have this defensive check mechanism or if they've been broken down, you can have thoughts come in, destructive behaviors, and the wall needs to be restored. This is why Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem, why God cares about our life. He really cares about those areas of our life where maybe there was a breakage in the wall and to this day thoughts still come and they're there's torment with it. And he comes alongside to help restore that. So let's take a look this morning at how Samballot or Satan operates. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we're not ignorant about Satan's scheming. Another translation says, don't be ignorant concerning Satan's devices. Anybody who goes to war takes a little bit of time at least to think about how their enemy operates. Okay, how do they operate? How do they do this? We're not going to give him any credit or glory, but we are going to see how does he operate from this story here in Nehemiah. Number one, if you're taking notes, he operates through ridicule. The first thing that happens when Nehemiah is there and he begins to restore the wall, the first thing 
Nehemiah does, he finds Sambalat coming along and ridiculing him, mocking him, despising him, being a big bully. Do you know that we have a problem with bullying in our country? I did a little research and found out that the World Health Organization survey found that in some areas, Canada ranks number 10 for bullying. 18% of our 13-year-old boys, 12% of our 13-year-old girls, when they did the survey, were bullied within a couple-month period. Another one that really surprised me from the Journal of Pediatrics in 2004, they found that 45%, that's a lot, 45% of Canadian children studied did not feel safe when they go to school. They also found it was not that grade one, it's interesting, grade one girls were most likely to be bullied, grade two boys were most likely to be bullied, and when it came to the later grades, grade nine was, was most children were bullied in grade nine. But you know, when you're bullied, when you're ridiculed, when you're laughed at, when you're mocked, it puts pressure on the walls of our life, and sometimes we don't even know how to resist that. It comes into us and it stays with us. One of the studies that was done by the uh, Journal of American Medicine, they found that it stayed with people well into their 20s and onwards. They, they thought that it would just affect them during those school years, but in their 20s, they were going back and surveying the same children, and they found that they lacked confidence. They found that they were more easily depressed. Even though they weren't bullied after grade one, that carried with them. What happened? Walls were broken down during that time, and the enemy was coming and going and continued to harass them. Where? Between their ears. The Bible says that our enemy shoots fiery darts. We have a shield of faith that can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. That's your wall, the shield of faith that protects your mind from thoughts that are not true, from thoughts that bring you down, from thoughts that torment you, that remind you of what you did in your past, that try to hold you back. God has a great plan for our lives. And he knows that if these walls are not restored, we can never accomplish what God calls us to do. That's why he said, renew your mind so you can prove what is the perfect will of God, that you can live it out, that you can have that happen. But if the enemy, Sam Ballad, can run in and run roughshod over our mind at any time without hitting a wall, we're not going to be all that God called us to be. Every one of us here this morning, myself included, every one of us deal with our thought life. The, the, the main point of this message is this. You have been given by Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who is called the paraclete, one who's come alongside to help. Where do we need help 24-7 in our thought life? We can't just take the Holy Spirit and put him in a box and say, okay, we need the Holy Spirit now. Okay, now I don't. We need the Holy Spirit now. I need some direction, Holy Spirit. I'm going to take you out of my box, and I, I need you now. Or we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit now. No, this is 24-7. The Holy Spirit has been sent to be our helper. One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Where you are today, where I am today, is the sum total of all the thoughts we thought and the choices we made based on those thoughts. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will be your helper. He will come, and he'll restore your boundary, your perimeter. He'll put your thought life in order. Wow. That's a good place to shout if you want to do You don't have to, but I'm just saying, this is a gift that's been given to you. Jesus knew how important our thought life was. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so he is. 
Paul said to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. You know, a fear can get a hold of you in some moment, that wall, it can push into your life. You didn't know, you didn't know how to resist it. Some way the door got open, something happened to you, and a fear can grip you. For some women who've been abused, it's a fear of man. For somebody else, it's a fear of this, it's a fear of that. There's a long list of phobias. A number of years ago, we were in a life group setting, and a woman came in that life group, and she's in tears, said, I need prayer tonight. I'm tired of this, and I want prayer. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, and we'll talk a bit about later on, is that when Nehemiah went to the walls, he went at night, took a light, and he inspected the walls. The broken there, the broken there, the broken there. He went by himself. He didn't take others with him. It was a very private thing, never to embarrass you, never to make you shrink back. He's such a gentleman. And then we have to respond to that. If we live in denial, we'll never respond to it. If we say, no, no, there's no problem. One of the first steps to recovery is to not deny the circumstances. And that night, after we had a wonderful time of singing like we did here this morning, the Holy Spirit was working, and she just reached out and she said, would you pray for me? Now, she lived in Saskatchewan. We were living in Saskatchewan at the time, and she had taken her first trip to B.C. a number of years ago. And if you know what it's like in Saskatchewan, it's as flat as flat can be. Actually, they tell us if you stand on a dime in Regina, you can see the Rocky Mountains. So this, that's how flat it is. And it is. It's super flat, at least in that part. of Not all Saskatchewan is flat, but that part is pretty flat. And so she's, she's never been to Vancouver. She's never been on the Rocky Mountains. She's just driven on, in Saskatchewan all her life. So one day they're going to go to B.C., and she, they go to Medicine Hat, not too bad. They go to Calgary, it's all flat. Leave Calgary, head toward Banff, get into the foothills. And all of a sudden, she's in the mountains. And she's heading towards Revelstoke. And, you know, we who live in B.C., it's no big deal. But for her, this flatlander, she gets on this pass, and she sees a mountain up this side, and she sees a cliff on that side. And she was gripped with fear. She was under the dashboard, she told us, the entire way to Vancouver, and when they left Vancouver, she hid under the dashboard until they got to Calgary. And she said, I have been tormented with fear of driving. I want to go to BC, but all these years I refuse to go because something got broken in her life there. But God. We prayed for her that night. The Holy Spirit came and restored that area of her life. And that night, that power of fear was broken in her life. And she's been back and forth to B.C. many times since then. Because the Bible says, God has not given you a spirit. It's a spirit. A spirit of fear. You can't outmuscle it. You can't outthink it. It's spirit. You deal with it in spiritual ways. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit, a power of love, and a sound mind. Man, if you get nothing else this morning, know this, know this, know this. God wants you to have a sound mind. When our minds are clear, when there's clarity in our mind, when there's not confusion, the walls that have been broken down have been restored, we have clarity in our mind. Folks, we have incredible bandwidth to process all kinds of information and make decisions and prosper and succeed in our lives. 
But if the walls have been broken, your computers have a firewall, correct? You have a firewall program. Some are built in, and you have to keep updating the firewall. Why? To keep the viruses out of your computer. Folks, if we're that diligent with our computer, doesn't it make sense we're more diligent with our minds? And what happens if that gets into us, into our computers? If we have a virus or something gets in and attacks it, we, we send the computer to a specialist. We say, come help me. I need some help. My computer is operating so slow, it's crashing. And so they come and they, and they clean it and they debug it and all the rest of it. And then they reboot it. And all of a sudden, man, you click through your programs. Click, 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 click. And you don't, you don't have the spinning wheel. Anybody have the spinning wheel? I forgot what the PCs do. But, uh, yeah. What do you have? Oh, the hourglass. Yes, that's right. Hourglass. Isn't it annoying to get that hourglass? Or the spinning wheel. Oh, please, let the spinning wheel go away. Why? Because my productivity, my power, my power is gone. I'm not producing. Folks, God wants us to be power in our mind, love, sound mind. And that's why he sends the Holy Spirit. He says, I I am sending the Holy Spirit to help you restore. As much as a computer needs to be restored, our hearts, our minds need to be restored. And he does that work supernaturally. One of the ways that the enemy attacks is through ridicule. And those thoughts can play over and over again. It can literally just impede us. Thoughts like... You're too young. You're too old. You're too short. You're too tall. You're all color of skin. You're too fat. You're this, you're that. And those thoughts can literally be playing and breaking us up so we can't do what we're called to do. Do you remember a singer by the name of Karen Carpenter? Karen sang a song that's well-known, sung at a lot of weddings. We've only just begun. At the age of 32... She died prematurely from a heart failure. Why did she die? Because when they first started their group, one of the music critics said, this is her older brother's name, Richard. This is nothing but Richard's chubby little sister. And every time she looked in the mirror, she says, I'm Richard's chubby little sister. And so she said, I'm going to change that. She became bulimic, anorexic. That wall was broken. What a tragedy. See, the Holy Spirit would like to come and say, I I want to go there. I want to go to that place. And I'm going to heal those words that damaged you on the inside. I read the story of a woman when she was very young. This is a few years ago now. When she was very young, she was always late for school. She was tardy. She came to school one morning, and the teacher was fed up with it. And she told that student to stay up front. And she said, you've been so late. You know, and this, you've affected all the other students. And so I'm going to invite every student. They can come up to the blackboard. They can write whatever they want about you, what they think about you. And so she had to stand there while 25 students came, and they wrote things about her. None of them were nice. Forty years later, she was still broken over that. And she didn't know what to do. So she sat down with a Christian counselor, and she says, what do I... And he had to get to that point. And the Holy Spirit came and he gently sh- shone his light where that area of her life had been broken. And then he had an idea from the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to write down what they said. You've replayed that tape over and over in your mind. Now write it down. And she wrote it all down. And he said, do you have all 25 students? She says, oh yes, I have all 25. He says, you forgot one person. There was another person in the room that day. She said, no, no, I got the teacher, I got all the students, everybody's written down. She said, no, there was somebody else, you've forgotten somebody. She said, no, they're all there. And she became a little bit upset. She said, no, he said, there was somebody else. She said, who? She said, Jesus was there. 
And she said, he said to her, Jesus went up to that blackboard and Jesus erased every word they spoke about you. And then on that blackboard, Jesus wrote, you are special. On that blackboard, Jesus wrote, you are beautiful. On that blackboard, Jesus wrote, you are royal. On that blackboard, Jesus wrote, you are called. On that blackboard, Jesus wrote, you have a purpose. Believe that. What was that? That's the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit. Comes. And that woman was delivered from 40 years of a broken wall. At that point, the Holy Spirit came in and rebuilt the wall. Do you see why Sanballat hates us? Do you see why Satan does not want that? He wants to keep us tormented in our minds because then we're in prison. We're impeded. We can't produce like we'd like to produce. And the greatness that's within us, the world-changing legacy we can live is held back because our minds are trapped. They've been broken down. But the Holy Spirit comes and it restores it. He comes through ridicule. That's one of his methods. In Nehemiah, we find that he also used other ways to do that. Let me run through these for you. He comes through confusion. If he can't get you with ridicule, he'll try with confusion. Look at uh, Nehemiah 4, 7, 8. But when it happened, when Sambal had heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, the gaps were beginning to be closed. Now he's really getting nervous because not only did you start, but you're working this thing through, that they became very angry. And they all conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and, circle this in your notes, create confusion. The ridicule didn't work, so I'm just going to cry, create confusion. At this point in the story, and you can read it home later on, at this point in the story, they actually stop working. They just are paralyzed. And what Nehemiah has to do, he has to pray and he reminds them of what they're fighting for. Because Sam Bell had said, you know what? And, and he has his army around them. He's embarrassing them in front of all the people. He says, who are you? You're weak, feeble Jews. You're going to rebuild these walls? Look at my army. Give me a break. You think it's going to make a difference against us? Even though you go off for a sacrifice. He was mocking their God. Even though you got God on your side, it's not going to make any difference. Remember this. Sam Bell is a liar. He's the father of all lies, and there is zero, no truth in him. That's why we take every thought captive. We're truth inspectors. Is it true? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it a good report? Is it virtuous? Is it deserving of praise? No, none of the above. Sorry, can't come in the country. Sorry. Get him on a plane. Get him out of here. Not coming in. Your mind is not a garbage dump. When it came to bullying, one of the surveys said, well, you know, kids will be kids. That's a myth. It's a learned behavior. 95% of all video games that have violence, they all reward the violence. So when you've got children playing those games, watching TV, and they surveyed and they found a high percentage of boys between the age of 12 and 17 visiting gore and hate internet sites. If you feed that in there and you don't know you're supposed to block it, you're perishing for lack of knowledge, it gets played out. But the Holy Spirit comes along with no condemnation and he says, let's go there. Let's restore it. Supernaturally. Oh, I'm way off my notes, but it really doesn't matter. I have to reinforce this fact They thought it would take forever to rebuild the walls. It took 52 days. And everybody said, God must be with them. 
if you come back next week, you're going to learn from science and the Bible those areas that were broken down in your life, those repetitive patterns, whether it be thoughts of negative thinking or whether it be confusion or whether it be even suicidal thoughts. Somebody in here this morning, that's for you. Suicidal thoughts, come back and learn that that does not have to plague you. Depression, anxiety, you can literally, science proven, within about that same period of time, 52 days, you can restore those areas and be free. When Nehemiah comes, he came last week we talked about with time. He came with letters of authority. And he came with a supply to all the king's forests. What interesting point. You may want to remember this. He doesn't come with a letter for the king's quarry. You would have thought he would need a lot new rocks to restore the wall. But he doesn't come with a letter to the king's quarry. Why? Because he took all those old rubble and he brushed off the stones and he put them back into place. That is a picture that when you become a Christian and God comes into your life, he doesn't make you something else. He takes your personality, he takes your talent, your characteristics, and he just takes it and sanctifies it. If you like to laugh and cut up and you're like, yeah, let's party. If that's you in the world, then that's you as a Christian. Just sanctified. If you were quiet and reserved, and uh, if you would go to a Canuck game and you would go, <laughs> nice, nice goal. <laughs> if that's you, then you come to church and you go, praise the Lord. And, and that's okay. That's who you are. God just took those bricks and restored it. But if you're at a Canuck game, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just going wild then God sanctifies it. You go, yeah, yay, God. We're not all created the same. We don't have the same personalities. Holy Spirit takes that. He rebuilds it, sanctifies it. He doesn't discard it and say, okay, now that I'm here, you all have to be Billy Graham or you all have to be like this Christian. Or that. No, it's you, who you are. All your personality with its quirks and whatever, he just takes it and sanctifies it. So you get to be you. That's free. That's freeing for me. When I preach, it's just me. You get to be the same way wherever you go. You can be the same way at work, the same way at, with your family, the same way with church people. You're just the same. You're genuine. It's really freeing. You don't have to pretend, oh, now I'm in church. Okay. Okay, get the, get the church face on. Okay, let's go. Okay, it's work. Get the work face on. Okay, it's family. Get the family face. No, why don't you just get to be you? Hallelujah. Free. Holy Spirit says, I'll come restore. You get to be you. That's not in the notes either, but it's all extra this morning. We're not going to get through the notes. I haven't come to this conclusion. Enemy comes through discouragement. That's another way he taxes us, through discouragement. If he can't get you through ridicule, if he can't get you through confusion, then he tries discouragement. Discouragement. There was a Midwestern lawyer who suffered deep depression, deep discouragement, so much so that his friends took all the way, all his knives and razor blades and anything that he might be able to use to commit suicide from him. He was so depressed. And he wrote this, I am now the most miserable man living. Man, you're down when you write, I am the most miserable man living. I cannot, he says, whatever I shall ever, what, whether I shall ever be better, I can't tell. 
How many know you are as low as you can go when you're at that place? But God. The rest of the story is that Abraham Lincoln received encouragement he needed. And of course, you know the rest of the story. He was so discouraged. And what, hap- what would have happened if he would have given into it? He would have never become president. Maybe you're the next prime minister. Maybe you're the next premier. Maybe you're the next executive officer. Maybe you're the next father. Maybe you're the next leader in the community. Sambel would love to keep your walls broken so you can't rise out of that. But God's saying, hey, I'll help. Will you receive me? I'm here. Now, Sambel forces his way in. The Holy Spirit never does that. He's a gentleman. He says, I've come with all the king's resources. I'd love to help you every day, every moment with your thoughts. Would you, would you like me to help? And we say, if we check yes on the box, he shows up. He is at work in us both to will and do his good pleasure. One of the most important gifts we have is our chooser, our volition, our mind, our ability to say yes or no. Never, never. We said this last week. Can I repeat it? Okay, well, never. <laughs> I didn't get any yes or no, so I'm just going for it. Never dilute your ability to choose. Never be hypnotized. Never be passive with your will, your mind. Just thinking any thought that comes at you. Inspect it. What would, you, what would it be like if our border guards were passive? Yeah, come on in. Got a big lineup. Just go on through. We'd say, wait a minute. Time out. Get control. And God's saying, time out. Get control. Don't just let any thought come in your head. What are you watching? What are you playing? I have a genuine pastoral concern for some of our young men that play too many war games. Don't tell me it's not affecting you. Are you inspecting the thoughts? When you pull your gun and you sh- there's blood spraying all the screen, do you think it's just a thought? You're deceived. That's so quiet. <laughs> guard your thoughts. I'm not being legalistic. We're not trying to, you know, just be, guard your ability to choose. Be careful with it. What may be okay for one person may not be okay for the next person. You know the areas where the enemy has broken down your walls in the past. And if your wall was broken down with gambling, you'll have to watch that area the rest of your life. Even though the wall's been restored, you have to be extra careful there. If the wall was broken down in pornography and the enemy had you trapped there, and now you've got control in that area and you're no longer going there thinking those thoughts, you have to be extra careful in that area of your mind. Because he'll come around. He'll circle around and say, oh, I had him there before. I wonder if I can push here. And if he pushes there and he finds the word of God shooting back at him, he goes, oops, I can't get entrance. I've met the resistance, the word of God. Yeah, time's gone. How did that happen? (laughs) Oh, okay. Let me just give you the points. All right. Number four, he comes to compromise. Uh, and you can read about that in Nehemiah chapter 6. He tries to get him to compromise. Uh, you know, this is another one I'd like to pick up another time. But believers who once took a stand, life went on, and now it's like, well, you know what? Maybe we were a little bit too tough there. Let, let's just relax it a little bit. And let's just let a little stream through. It'll wash out your wall. And you'll have a washout if you're not careful. 
uh, through treachery. This is where Sambalat comes, he disguises himself under religion, and he tries to come in that way because he couldn't do it another way. And he gets, hires somebody as a so-called prophet to trick him. And then how does the Holy Spirit operate? And obviously, we're out of time, but let me give you the words. Through encouragement. We've already covered that, really, through encouragement. Uh, Number two, through revelation, he reveals the areas of our life that need to be fixed. Lamentation says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Through prayer, he always responded with prayer. When the enemy came at them, Nehemiah is responding with prayer. The Holy Spirit actually helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray, according to Romans 8.26. And then through inspiration, he inspires them to fight for their children, for their families, for the cause, the vision that they have. Vision helps you stay on track in your mind. And then through God's word. Nehemiah chapter 8 was all about them reading God's word throughout the time. Keep your mind on God's word. Isaiah says you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Put your mind on the things of God. Where are you putting your mind? That's the question this morning. Where do you put your mind? Because you have choice to do that. Where are you putting your mind? So this week, let's put our mind on the things of God. Welcome the Holy Spirit to do this restorative work in our life. And be on the alert, okay? Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.